Greetings from the Classic City, and welcome to episode two of my Breaking Down the Bravos series, previewing the 2020 Major League Baseball season. It's getting close now. It seems that we have gotten past the point where something terrible could happen and you have a whole team that tests positive or anything like that. It seems that Major League Baseball is actually going to be played in just under a week. And that means that it is time to really get serious about the preview for the 2020 Atlanta Braves. Today, we're going to focus on the bullpen. And if this is a part of the Braves roster that has gone through some major changes in the last year, it's gone from being probably the biggest weakness on the team at the beginning of the 2019 season to potentially, on paper, being the strongest aspect of this team headed into this sprint of a season that we are getting ready to start right now. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back and we're going to talk about the bullpen. I want you to take a moment just to think about what it used to be like to be an Atlanta Braves fan. And when I say used to be, I mean, let's go all the way back, way back to what seems like a different world the spring of 2019. So close your eyes, lean your head back and think. The Braves are up 4-2. to They're playing the Marlins. It's been a good game. Julio Serran actually pitched well. Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna Jr. have both hit home runs. And as the last out is made in the bottom of the eighth, Truist Park, or SunTrust Park at that time, sorry, comes alive as the door swings open and Luke Jackson runs through into the stadium to close out the game for the Atlanta Braves. And if you remember the feeling you had at that moment, stop right now before you get too nauseous because that was our reality in April and May of 2019. This team was playing well, the Braves were doing well, but every single lead was always to be determined with Luke Jackson, a young guy with a lot of talent and a lot of hair and a lot of jittery motion, but not a lot of consistency. We went through weeks, months of Luke Jackson being the closer for your Atlanta Braves, and man, we all deserve an extra pack of Rolaids for making it through that time. It was obvious at the middle of last season as we approached the trade deadline that the Braves had to figure out a way to do something to address their bullpen. Because, to be quite honest, it did not take a genius to realize that the bullpen was going to be the reason that the Braves did not either win the division or had no chance of competing in the playoffs because the bullpen was just pathetic. Now, the one thing that kind of kept the Braves from the – they kept, they kept the Braves' bullpen from being the huge and utter anchor that it should have been in the 2019 season was that the Nationals' bullpen sucked just as much. The Mets' bullpen sucked just as much. The Marlins always suck. And even though the Phillies' bullpen wasn't very good, it was better than everybody else's in the division. The only problem the Phillies faced was Gabe Kapler was their manager, and he sucks. So... The National League East was just a complete and utter mess when it came to bullpens, and the Braves' bullpen went from being the absolute awful, stinking, worst, putrid part of that team to, after the trade deadline, maybe a strength? 
So the Braves went out in July of 2019. They made three separate trades, picking up Chris Martin, Shane Green, and Mark Melanson, and really just completely overhauling the bullpen. We still saw Luke Jackson. Obviously, we talked the other day about Sean Newcomb and the role that he played in the bullpen, and uh, Mike Tomlin, who he would come out and do kind of the long relief situation, and he pitched really well. And I, I, even in the playoffs, Mike Tomlin, I thought, did a pretty good job. But the reality is... The Braves went out and got a lot of talent. Green was supposed to be the guy, but he didn't really uh, he didn't really click when he first started coming from the Tigers and being dropped right into a pennant race. Didn't seem like he responded well, and it ended up being Melanson. And for the most part, Melanson pitched really well for the Braves. Now he again a little bit weird, a little bit unorthodox, not exactly the shut down kind of closer that you know you would ideally like, but his numbers were good and overall. What you really had, at least in 2019, was he wasn't Luke Jackson, which was, without a doubt, the most positive quality of all of the guys that the Braves went out and got was they were not Luke Jackson. So as we come into this year, the Braves have gone out and done even more. So you make three trades, and and I'll say, and this is not making excuses, and you, you can play the what if game in all sports as much as you ever want to. But the reality is the Chris Martin injury at the beginning of the 2019 Division Series against the Cardinals is going to be a big what if. It's not going to be a what if that most people really remember. But if that doesn't happen and if you don't have to basically for the entirety of that season move uh, one of your best starting pitchers in Max Freed to the bullpen to try to fill that role, there's really no telling how that series could have potentially gone for the Braves. We know how it did go, but maybe things would have been a little bit different because the Braves did have it set up to where you had Chris Martin in the seventh, you had Shane Green in the eighth, you had Mark Melanson in the ninth, and that was a formula that by the end of the season felt really, really good for the 2019 Braves. So in the offseason, we have all these holes, right? We talked in the first episode of this series about the fact that the Braves went out and spent $18 million on an aged and maybe never to pitch again starting pitcher in Cole Hamels. There were there was a question at third base. Would Josh Donaldson be back? There was a question in the outfield. There were a lot of questions on this team. And awkwardly and kind of strangely, and even now, it seems strange that the biggest move that the Braves made in this offseason and the biggest contract that they gave out in this offseason was to Will Smith another reliever to bolster what had become, at least on paper, a strength of this team. So I guess, you know, you, you can have multiple philosophies about something. You know, back in the 90s, the Braves had great starting pitching. You know, you had Maddox, you have Glavin, you had Smoltz. And with those three, it would it was weird that sometimes the Braves would go out and they would, they would spend some money on a Denny Nagel or a Russ Ortiz or uh, Mike Hampton, Lord knows we spent a lot of money first starting on Mike Hampton. But the Braves had a position of strength that they continued to try to bolster to make it even stronger. I guess that's the philosophy that we could say that Alex Anthopoulos was trying to use by going out and spending the money he did on Will Smith, which the contract he signed, it, it wasn't hugely risky. It's not that it's an exorbitant amount of money for a reliever. He got Will Smith for a, a good deal. The question to me is that is that really, if you were going to have limited funds, as the Braves always claim to have limited funds, is that really where we should have spent the money? Or should we have spent the money in maybe a more than a long term or a longer term deal for 
uh, an outfielder or a third baseman, or not had to get, scrape the bottom of the barrel for Cole Hamels. We'll never know the answer to that question, but it was it was strange to me. It's exciting to have a guy like Will Smith, who was coveted last year at the trade deadline. It's the one guy uh, that San Francisco held on to, and it, it's kind of strange. They were out of it. They probably could have gotten a good bit for Will Smith, and instead of trading their best asset out of the bullpen, they traded Melanson to the Braves, and, and, and they hung on to Will Smith. I don't know if they thought maybe they could re-sign him in the offseason, so he was worth trying to keep. Obviously, that didn't work. But Will Smith, a very good reliever and a very good addition to the Braves' bullpen. So the Braves have already come out and said that Mark Melanson is going to be the closer to start this season. Well, at least that's what they said in March, 100 years ago in March, when we, uh, we were getting ready to start the season the first time. So if Melanson is your closer, it pretty much leaves Chris Martin, Shane Green, and Will Smith uh, all of whom, except Martin, have significant experience closing as kind of your setup guys. Now, I've, I've spent a, at least a decent amount of this podcast so far already crapping on Luke Jackson, and for very good reason. I take none of it back. I equivocate n- not even a little bit. Luke Jackson was the epitome of a dumpster fire in the spring of last year, and if the Braves had not done something, Luke Jackson would have been the reason that the Braves did not make the playoffs or crashed out of the playoffs and even – Uh, a quicker fashion than they ended up crashing out in the division series. However, the idea of bringing a Luke Jackson in to start the sixth inning is a lot more appealing to me than bringing Luke Jackson in to start the ninth inning. I, for one thing, just, I mean, Luke is a young guy. I think by the time he gets a little bit of experience under his belt, he could end up being the closer for this team in two or three years. But the problem is we were taking a guy that probably should have been in a kind of long relief or a sixth inning guy or the guy that comes in when the team's just getting blasted and it's a throwaway game and you need somebody to come in there and eat some innings. Instead of him having that role and getting some experience at the major league level doing those kind of things, he came in and almost immediately was shoved because everybody else sucked more than him, which is amazing to think about. He was shoved into the role of closer and he just did not perform well. He saved a few games. He also caused a few heart attacks in the greater Atlanta area. So Luke Jackson, I think, could be actually a pretty good contributor to this team in a role that is more suited for where he is in his career. Throw on top of that, Josh Tomlin, who I mentioned earlier, who pitched very well last year. And the Braves are set up to have a very good bullpen in this season. So I also would like to mention that the Braves still have on their roster a Darren O'Day. Uh, Darren O'Day is a player that was talked about starting in the 2018 season when we traded for him mid-year at the All-Star break. He comes over. We knew he was injured, so he was not going to pitch. And then Darren O'Day never really showed up for the Braves until late in the 2019 season and never really did anything uh, of, of significance for the 2019 team, which is really why we traded for him at the trade deadline in 2018. I say all that to say that, at least in my world, it was you started wondering, was Darren O'Day a real person? You know, you, you have all of these trades that go, and a player to be named later. Well, did they just make up a name for a player that was going to be named later, and that name was Darren O'Day, and he wasn't actually a real person. We were just going to name him later. Well, it turns out Darren O'Day is a real person, and he may even actually pitch for the Braves in 2020. Now, 
we can't depend on that because he is a Darren O'Day. So we'll see if we see anything. As I said in the previous episode, Cole Hamels is my favorite to be the Darren O'Day Award winner for 2020, which is a guy that is on the team. We think we don't really see him. He doesn't really do anything. So he's my pick. Predictions later in the week, but I've already let that one out of the bag. The reality of the 2020 season, as we have talked about already a lot on the podcast, is the fact that this is going to be the complete opposite of any other baseball season we've ever seen. The grind of 162 games is what defines baseball. You, the old saying is you win 54, you lose 54. It's what you do with the other 54 that actually matters. And for baseball this year, that's just not going to be the case. You could see somebody go 50 and 10. Probably won't, but in this short of a sample size type of a season, you could see things play out. We don't really know what's going to happen. We don't know how teams will progress. You know, if you have a, you know, a bad week or two in this type of season, you're pretty much sunk. So I think what you're going to see, especially by the time August rolls around, or uh, not August, sorry, September rolls around, and you're really looking at the last three and a half to four weeks of the season there, you're going to see teams that are in the playoff hunt in the second week of September, and they're having to play games like it's the playoffs already. And so it's going to be strange because just about the time we get into the season, all of a sudden it's crunch time. And I think that's where the Braves' bullpen could be a huge advantage for them. If they can figure out kind of where everybody's going to slot in. And I know I've already kind of said, okay, this is where they're going to start. But as we saw last year with the trade for Shane Green, sometimes it just doesn't click. And it's got nothing to do with talent. It's just the guy gets hot, he's in a good spot. And in a short season like this, we really don't have time to see, okay, Melanson does well as the closer, struggles a little bit. They put in Will Smith. Now he's going to be the closer. You really don't have time for a lot of that. You're going to need guys to come in. You're going to have to make decisions fairly quickly. And then you're going to need to have everybody know what their job is going to be on the team and then get ready for those crucial games that are going to come around very, very quickly in September. So I think what we're going to see is my guess, and this is just purely a guess based on absolutely nothing. I think Will Smith ends up being the closer for this team because I think he's the most talented guy out there. I think Melanson's going to be a great eighth inning guy. Shane Green, Chris Martin, Luke Jackson. The Braves' bullpen is going to be very, very good. The question is, can the Braves' starters get the bullpen to the sixth inning? Where then you can play matchup and feel pretty good about getting yourself into that ninth inning, whether it's Smith, uh, Melanson, Shane Green, whoever it is that's, that's hot that you're going to use. Now, the one thing that I hope the Braves don't do, and in this short season – the bullpen should be, for all intents and purposes, snit-proof. And when I say snit-proof, you could also interject Freddy Gonzalez-proof. You know, the Braves, the history of the more modern history of the Braves have shown that the manager just really does not understand or seem to be capable of managing the bullpen in any kind of way that makes any kind of sense. Now, removing the need to hit for the pitcher, should, I repeat, should make this process a little bit simpler. How many times, just in National League Baseball, have we seen a pitcher who is pitching very well, but maybe 
you know, okay, maybe you gave up two runs in the first inning. It's now the bottom of the sixth. You're down two to one, and you've got a runner in scoring position with one out, and here comes the pitcher. Well, it's not that the pitcher is not pitching well. He's settled in. He's pitching really well, but we, we've got to be aggressive and try to get that tying run in right now. So we're going to take out a guy that's pitching really well, and then we're going to go to our bullpen. You're not going to see that anymore. With the advent of the DH in the National League this year, and I believe probably forever and ever, amen, now it's going to be you take your starting pitcher out when you're ready to take your starting pitcher out, and the only thing that will make you go to your bullpen is a desire to get that starting pitcher out of the game, whether it be because he is not pitching well or there's a particular matchup you want to try to take advantage of. So you're not going to continually burn pitchers, starting pitchers, and then de facto burn relief pitchers in situations where you really would have rather – left the starter in because of an offensive strategy that you have to implement in the middle innings of the game. That being said, you should be able to stack this bullpen up and fit everybody in where they're going to. And with the short season, it should not matter how often you run guys out there. Um, you now, and I don't know, I, I, I can't say for sure. I don't feel like this has always been a thing, but with the fragility that managers handle pitchers now, both starters and relievers. You just don't see a relief pitcher pitching three times in three days. So let's say the Braves start their season in New York. Melanson pitches in the first two games. When that third game of the season comes around, you're probably not going to see Melanson pitch, no matter what the circumstances are. The, the advantage the Braves have in that situation is if, if, if Melanson, your closer, is not available on a certain day, well, you got Will Smith, you got Shane Green, you've got guys that have been there before and have done it before. So that depth should make it to where we never see Snit screw up royally and either leave somebody in too long or have to try to uh, throw Luke Jackson out there to close the game when there's no reason on God's green earth that that should happen. So hopefully Alex Anthopoulos has built a bullpen that was supposed to be great for the long haul and could even be better in the short term but most importantly, that is snit-proof. Thank you so much for tuning in to the second episode of Breaking Down the Bravos. We've got two episodes left before our big preview episode, which is to say really we have three episodes left. So tomorrow we're going to break down the position players, and kind of talk about the lineup, talk about the DH, all of the different options facing the Braves now. And then on Thursday, we're going to do what I believe will be the most entertaining of all of these podcasts uh, in, in the lead up to the season. The most entertaining, maybe the most controversial. We're going to talk about the manager. We're going to talk about the organization. We're going to talk about some of the hot button issues like the Tomahawk Chop and the name Atlanta Braves that have been in the media and have been talked about a lot lately. So that episode is going to be episode four in this series, and then we'll wrap it up towards the end of the week, right before the regular season starts on Friday. Uh, the Thursday episode will drop, and that will be our predictions sure to be wrong. So I appreciate you listening so far. I hope you'll stick with me the rest of the week. It's an exciting time during a time when there hasn't been a lot of excitement. So thank you so much for listening, and as always, go Braves!